Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews, and convention panels. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. So, Roynish Turtle Conservation Society. Yeah. yeah. We, we've been doing panels, we started doing panels at Phoenix Fan Fusion a number of years ago. And then we came up with a name a few years in. It's basically a really deep Game of Thrones in joke. <laughs> and um, yeah, nobody wants another turtle war. Uh-huh. Save the turtles. And I'm on here on behalf of the Cult of Atuan, um, which is a sister organization. Normally, I time travel as my persona, Madame Askew, but today I am uh, my real self, Jocelyn, and I'm so happy to be here with you all. We're very happy to be here. We're happy you're here. Thank you. I'm very excited about our topic today. Yeah. So, um, I'll let you jump in. Okay. Um, we decided to do a panel to pay tribute to Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher. And we're going to talk about them both because we really feel at this point you can't really talk about one without talking about the other if you actually really want to like do the topic justice. Um, obviously, like she got this role when she was like 19 and Leia, Leia Skywalker Organa Solo she has been a constant throughout the Skywalker saga. The end of the prequels saw her come into the world, and at the end of the sequel trilogy saw her leave it. During her time, she was a prominent figure in the Rebellion. She wasn't necessarily always the leader because she valued the voices of everyone she trusted, and everyone that was trusted by, well, when, in the beginning, she valued everyone, the voices of the people who were trusted by Brea and Bail Organa, and just the other seasoned people involved. Um, she was she became a reasoned voice in the reformed senate and then she took up a leadership role in the resistance when it was needed and this time she was their leader all this and all this while she became a wife and a mother and then after a while like Carrie Fisher just she embraced her role in everyone's hearts as Princess Leia she was someone who was open about the different struggles in her life be it her be it, bleh, sorry, be it her, her struggles with mental illness, addiction, all of it. She was very open about it and made it clear that it's like this isn't something you should be ashamed of. And it caused a lot of us to love her even more. As recently as like just a little while ago, um, some friends of mine remarked how missed she still is. And so, like, I've talked with friends, like, when things happen, we're like, I really miss her. I wonder what she would have to say about this. 
her voice is missed. And like when when the Obi-Wan show came out, a bunch of us were like, Carrie would have loved this little girl. And so today we're going to be discussing the role of both women in our lives, pop culture and as a whole, and Carrie's lasting influence on us for so many reasons. And I guess I just wanna continue with what you were saying about, I mean, how open she was um, in her life. Um, you know, for me, Princess Leia was so important because here I was a little girl, you know, it was Disney times, right? Old Disney times. And, you know, it, you always had to have a boy save you. And here's Princess Leia comes onto the scene and she's saving herself and all the guys around her, right? And, and then she's talking up about the hard things that you don't discuss, right? The, the struggles with addiction, the struggles with mental health. And as somebody who grew up in a family that had a lot of mental health issues, we didn't talk about it. It was under the rug. And so to have her on screen being this princess that I needed and in the real world, the princess I needed, I think was so important to me. I didn't think you were gonna make me cry in the first time. Clearly we should have brought tissues. Safe. Uh, no, I really echo everything both Jen and Tanya have said about Princess Leia and her importance as a pop culture figure in the films. Um, I was very young when the movies came out, so I grew up with Princess Leia as a just a fixture in my life and my imagination. And I felt really like if she could do it, I could do it. And like when I played with Star Wars figures with my buddies, you know, the boys in the neighborhood, and they were like, pew, pew, I'm Han Solo. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm Princess Leia, and I saved you, right? <laughs> I'm saving you, and oh no, we have to bury Luke again. <laughs> we buried Luke a lot, but Leia was like always the hero, and I got to be Leia. I especially liked her in the like, um, Empire Strikes Back look because I thought that was like very fierce the vest and the trousers and I just you know she wasn't like the Disney princesses she was a princess I could relate to and want to be because she had such an active role and then as I grew into more of my adolescence Carrie Fisher as a performer as somebody making art as somebody struggling with a very complicated relationship with her mother, um, was a person I could really relate to and also who gave me a blueprint for how to like track a successful, vibrant life. And successful not, you know, measured by like dollars, but success measured by happiness and authenticity. And I thought that was yeah, I mean, you know, I'm rambling, but she was great. Yeah. I love her. Um, Tanya, who is the artist? You had found this artist. Lindsay. Oh, I'm going to get her name wrong. Lindsay Van Eck. Van Eck. Van Eck. And I believe her website is Lindsay Van Eck. But it's, yeah. yeah. I will. I, will. I, I own one of those. <laughs> I will. Yeah. They're so beautiful. She, when Tanya found them, I'm like, who is this artist? Yeah, the, Lindsay does some amazing strong women art and the, the um, Carrie Fisher ones are my favorites. The first one where she's holding Gary is called Our Blessed Rebel Queen. 
And the second one is called Carrie and the Cow Tongue. <laughs> because there is a story that someone near and dear to Carrie, because Carrie was one of these people that when you would read about this, she would just, she would befriend people. And it's like, if you fell into her purview, you were her friend. She would look after you. And there was this woman who was in some kind of production in Hollywood and a male executive made advance, inappropriate advances. And she told Carrie, and Carrie was like, well, how'd it go? And she told Carrie what happened. Carrie had a cow tongue wrapped in a box, gift wrapped and delivered to this man with a note that said, if you do anything like this again, there's going to be something else in this box. <laughs> and so it's like, now that's like one of the stories that I read, like when this piece, it was right, like, well, I mean, the story when it came out inspired the piece, obviously. And then it's like after she passed, like there was another actor named Michael Rosenbaum who, like, he was. Like he was Lex Luthor on Smallville for a while and he has his own podcast now and he's talked about a time when he was invited to a party at Carrie's house and he was kind of in between things and he needed to find a new place and by the end of the party she was like well of course you're moving into the guest house oh. and he did and he lived there for several years <laughs> so it's like that just seems like the kind of person she was and so it's like when the fandom started calling her space mom like it really kind of fits Space mom watches out for us all. <sighs> and I think, you know, the space mom uh, came around the same time that people were questioning her on aging, right? And I, I loved how unapologetic she was about aging. And didn't you didn't you hear a podcast about how she responded to people with the bikini and what they're expecting from her? Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, initially, whenever they were going to start up the, the sequel trilogy, they made her, um, they sent her off to lose weight. And it, so she liked to joke that they only wanted to hire three-fourths of her. And there was, there are some fun stories about, because sometimes I'm like, Around 2010, people, because of course in Return of the Jedi, Java has her prisoner and he makes her wear the metal bikini. And there was a point in around, in, like I said, around in the mid 2010s where people were like, well, this is inappropriate, we should ban this merchandise. And different publications asked her what she thought of it. And I felt, I pulled some choice quotes from the internet. And one publication she said when we first rehearsed it um han and luke are you know right in front of, of java they talk to java java talks to harrison and mark and then they're let off they never say hey how are you so as they're being let off i said in the rehearsal don't worry about me i'll be fine seriously which they sh i think they should have kept in there <laughs> she's like it's like where am i in all of this i have to say with the slug and the big tongue nearly naked which is not a style choice for me it wasn't my choice when George Lucas showed me the outfit, I thought he was kidding and it made me very nervous. I had to sit very, very straight because I couldn't have lines on my side, the little creases. No creases were allowed, so I had to sit very, very rigid straight. What redeems it is I get to kill him, which was so enjoyable. I sawed his neck off with that chain and I, and I killed him with. 
I really relished that because I hated wearing that outfit and sitting there rigid straight and I couldn't wait to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) And go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think, I don't know if this was in our plan, but uh, I think this is a good moment to talk about our shirts. And uh, so I was a little girl when Return of the Jedi came out and having any badass woman in a metal bikini doing things in fantasy or sci-fi seemed very normal. It was on the covers of all of my books. I didn't really question it. I didn't think about pasties or nip slips or like, you know, needing uh, tape to hold things in place so you wouldn't reveal too much. I wasn't an adult. I was a kid. It was very normalized. But that moment when she killed Jabba really turned things on its head. And I was like, yeah, man. I can do anything, even in a bikini, which I'm totally not allowed to wear. (laughs) And uh, so then we were talking about this, and you shared the Hut Slayer story. Yeah. Which I thought was perhaps the most amazing thing. Yeah. There is a book. There's a book written by a cult, written by Claudia Gray called Bloodline, and it's talking about Leia as an adult. And I'm like, she's at this point, like Ben's probably like a teenager or something. Leia's in the newly reformed Senate, and um, you know, shenanigans are starting to happen. And she goes to go off to like to investigate some stuff, and she takes a meeting with this person named Ren Riven Die, who. I forget where he's located, but his his culture, his like group, have had a feud with the Huts like forever. They, when when she killed Jabba, they started calling her the Hut Slayer. So it's not like she became like their hero. And so when he go when he takes a meeting with her, he brings her a bottle of Alderaan wine. It's like one of the very few remaining left in the gal in like wherever and he also comes and he like greets her as hut slayer and she's like what and he's like no you don't understand and so he tells her about it and then he shows her a little hollow vid that someone took of it happening and he gifts it to her because it's the last one left the huts had all the rest of them destroyed Mm-hmm. Well, of course. And I mean, of course, this brings a lot of feelings for her, because this book, I think, is really interesting and unique, because it explores a lot of what went on and has gone on inside her head for all these years. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, the movies, they don't, you know, they, they're movies. They can't, they don't spend a lot of time on a lot of people's emotional stuff. But, you know, she had a lot of stuff. And, like, watching it, and, like, when she watched it again, she was just kind of like, yeah, that was a thing. But, you know, she's graciously accepts it. And then later on, when somebody's like, there's somebody who's like a junior senator who's kind of trying to be an up-and-comer, but he's a little, he's not always the best. And she ends up having a conversation with him about the things that she actually went through when Darth Vader held her captive. And talks about killing Jabba, and she shows it to him, and he's just like, oh, I didn't understand. Like he didn't understand because he didn't he didn't realize, and she's just so she's like, yeah, now you now you do. So, but these shirts, there is um, a woman who runs. She's got a little storefront on T Public, and it's Miss Upsetter Designs, 
and she designed these and we just thought it would be super fun to get matching shirts. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I know we were talking about how um, Carrie, right, besides the awesome quote you had, um, you know, people said, well, what am I supposed to tell my daughter, you know, yeah. when we see you in this bikini? And she's like, tell them that I killed Jabba. I killed him. Like, she yeah. just, like, she is, like, she was promoting Hut Slayer before the book came out. Right. Like, she actually told the, I think, like, the Wall Street Journal, or, the, well, the, the LA Times, she told both of them a variation of, like, well, well, like, what am I going to tell my kid about why she's in it? Tell them that a giant slug captured me and forced me to wear that stupid outfit, and then I killed him because I didn't like it. And then I took it off backstage. Right? And, and yeah. so when, you know, when she naturally aged, you know, she did talk about how people see her as that Leia in the Hut Slayer outfit, right? And now, you know, she's moved past that. She's better. And I think, I just love that. Once again, it's her standing up for women and expectations of, of who we are and what we should be in the media and, and everywhere else. And, um, you know, she just, I think that's why the space mom thing was so important to yeah. you know, now and it's continued. Well, I think with all of this legacy and her presence, it has really helped subvert some of these ideas in a way that's very empowering. Like, there's been years of people making jokes about this, the Leia metal bikini costume as a cosplay at cons and like mm -hmm. how many slave Leia's are you gonna see you know it's like you're gonna count them off like it's bingo or something and it's been always very dismissive but like if that's the cosplay you want to wear own it it's beautiful you killed Jabba right it's it's like you're a bamf at that point mm -hmm. and so was Carrie yep we wanted to show you guys this, if you could bear with us. It, it, it's a tribute that was put together for her. And I hope it's gonna play. I think it was done for the Star It was right after she died. Wow, that's loud, I'm so sorry. I apologize, let me turn this down. Hold on just a second here. You're good. We can do a floor show and everything while yeah, you're just do a floor show and everything while you're driving this down. Yeah, so I mm -hmm. like this sort of revolutionary spirit oh, of Gary. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, I didn't have problems playing it until we're here. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, there it goes. Can you see it? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Hi. A little short for a stormtrooper. Well, I guess you don't know everything about women yet. <laughs> I love you. I know. I 
think I am Princess Leia and Princess Leia is me. It's like a Mobius striptease. <laughs> so I think George did get confused. The less clothing on women, the more confused he is. Probably in a good way. <laughs> Jerry's bored as hell. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I never was asleep during my interview. That you know of. Thank you. <laughs> Do you have any advice for the younger members of the cast? I've told Daisy not to go through the crew like wildfire. <laughs> <laughs> is the most entertaining and shockingly funny person you'll ever know. <laughs> Confident all the time. That's why people want to be celebrities. Okay, that's not true. <laughs> What's interesting is that when you get Carrie going, she still remembers all the lines from the old films. Ben Okanobi, years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. Well, now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person. But my, my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion with the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I love these movies. And actually, they've become better for me now because I have a daughter and she loves them. I love that Princess Leia was a very strong woman and I adored how feisty Carrie Fisher was. I could really sense and feel her fire. And that was important for me as a young girl to see that kind of woman. She's very sure of herself, very funny, very you know, together, very worldly. She's not a victim of princess. Elle est très forte et c'est bien. C'est il n'y a pas beaucoup de 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 femmes fortes dans dans les films maintenant. I love her and I love her when she drives me crazy and I love her when she makes me laugh. She's just delightful. Carrie's amazing and unique person. She's got an incredible intellect. She's got real courage, real gall. <laughs> Ray? May the force be with you. And in conclusion, Your Honor, I hope I slept with you to get the job, because if not, who the hell was that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's not a dry eye in the house. Not a dry eye. <laughs> Do you have any? Next. Let me drop the one. Yes, yeah, so sneaky. We are, we are not. <laughs> <laughs>
professional enough to avoid succumbing to the emotions of our own performance. I feel like I'm losing some Gen X points right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's beautiful. So we uh, we loved this meme. It was going around a long time. Yeah. But take your pills, do your self-care, live to flip off the world another day, and make Space Mom proud. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. Because caring is good. Yeah. So, oh, the whole, like, living, like, a lot of people are really into the, like, live, laugh, love aesthetic and self and, like, the happy, fluffy self-care. But I think a lot of us that really look at Carrie Fisher as kind of spa space mom ideal or like, you know what, let's just live for spite. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I have 75% spite. So. <laughs> you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with that because whatever keeps you going. Yeah. I'm spite and then I'm also pumpkin spice. Glitter. Same. And glitter. 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 Very glitter. sparkly, spicy, and spiteful. <laughs> yeah. So... That was a beautiful tribute. Thank you for sharing it. I should have brought more hankies. Those yes. Yeah. Um, and she cannot, uh, no one can say it better than Carrie can say it herself about her legacy. Yeah. I think it was Star Wars Celebration or some kind of big Star Wars event. It was the first one that was held after she died, and they put that together. Mm -hmm. And... All the I cry every time. <laughs> it's been several years and it's still very poignant. And so I'm going to do a segue for us because we're all crying. <laughs> but I think that this was part of why it was so beautiful to come into Obi-Wan mm -hmm. and to get to have this journey with Carrie as a the, this character who's obviously <laughs> not Carrie. But to feel that connection with Princess Leia, to think about, you know, the, the actress who grew up in Hollywood under actually quite a bit of pressure, under the legacy of her parents. Yeah. And there's like some parallels with how this little girl, uh, uh, you know, Leia Organa, is growing up in the shadow of her senatorial parents. And there's a lot of pressure for her to consider optics, as a 10 year old and to think about how she dresses and behaves when you're 10 you're not usually thinking about PR yeah right and how you know having messy hair is going to maybe sink a senate bill yeah. or like upset the balance of power that you have to be on stage and we had this conversation in preparing for this that it was so good that the story was about Leia because she instead of Luke to be clear instead of Luke whom I buried a great deal as a child um, poor Luke uh, because she is so clear and so strong and resilient as a leader of the rebellion and this is how she got there yeah because you can see like She's 10 years old, and she's she's just a little kid, and assassins come out of, like, and start chasing her through the forest. And she starts, like, they take out one of her guards, because she screams for help, guards come, guards are dispatched. And then she's like, you can see, like, this little face, she's like, I gotta save myself. 
And so she has, you know, she has her, her little droid friend and she tries to hide from them. She tries to run away, but they capture her anyway because, you know, she's Ted. She's Ted. She's a kid. And we have this lovely Lola model that was 3D printed by a friend. <laughs> and she brought it so that Lola could be here too. Cool. Thank and it's you, adorable. Anastasia. I like a lot of the stuff. And, and you really see a lot of the stuff in the Obi-Wan show because like, because Princess Leia later on, she has this, like this self-reliance. Like they showed it on the clips, like somebody has to save our skins. Yeah. And she just has to like think about how to get out of situations, think like one step ahead. And it's a lot for a little kid. <laughs> yes, and the little girl who knew she was adopted. Yeah. Who was never, you know, who was always somewhat isolated even from who her family and, you know, right. other young people because she was already excluded. Yeah. yeah. Because even though like they're like, oh well, you know, she's our she's our child, some of these other like high society peeps, they knew that she was adopted and they would make comments about it. Yeah. And it's like we saw that right away from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like, observation. You say thank you to droids, and she's like, well, it's good to have me like manners and whatnot. And then she gives them a really sick burn that I unfortunately don't remember, but it was great. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> no, I thought that so much of the bones of who Leia became as a character was really present in Obi-Wan. And it gave me a lot of insight that strengthened my admiration for her. Because, I mean, I don't want to be too personal, but when you're 10, and you're living through difficult times, you know, you're not expected to have a handbook for doing that. And uh, you have to be clever and quick-witted and have a lot of perception that the average 10-year-old should not have. Yeah. And that shows not only a real resilience that she will use, but also sort of native capacity to never be the damsel in distress, not even as a 10-year-old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and even when Obi-Wan comes, she's like, who are you? You're not a Jedi, you're old. You're old. <laughs> <laughs> well, she kind of saves Obi-Wan, just the yeah. way she saved Luke and Han and so many people. Mm -hmm. He was really struggling. He was. And we have a quick clip that, do you want to show this one? Yeah, it's so cute. Because we, we, we were talking about, you know, why in the first... In the first movie, did she um, reach out to him, right? Like, what was that backstory? Why was he who she went to? And we thought that this clip was kind of good for that. Princess Leia Morgana, you are wise, discerning, kind-hearted. These are qualities that came from your mother. But you're also passionate and fearless, forthright, and these are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter. I wish I could tell you more. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You're Thank you. Will I ever see you again? 
from a tired old man. <laughs> but we must be careful. No one must know, or it could endanger us both. You can guess which one of them wanted to bring her in soon and which one of them wanted to keep her safe, I think, based off of that. But they, um, in, in the end, Leia started to piece things together herself. And I think she, and she brought something up to them about like something that, had, that she had learned about that had happened. And they were like, well, I guess we should tell you something. <laughs> And it is, it's a really, it's a really great and fun book to kind of 
And I, I think some of the some of the newer Star Wars novels, because I never read any of the other ones that are now considered legends. But when they started kind of like redoing the canon, a lot of these novels are just a really wonderful look at more character development that we've never really been given. So that that book is just a really lovely look at teenage Leia and kind of the end of the novel is the ceremony that installs her as like the, the official heir to Alaron and highly recommend. I was going to say, I think anyone who underestimated her intelligence, including her adoptive parents, was very foolish. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's not somebody you're going to keep secrets from as a character. And if we're talking about Carrie Fisher and the parallel, she too is someone you should never underestimate. She was fiercely intelligent, and she brought that insightfulness and intelligence to all of her performances. Right. She was also a script doctor. And like, there are stories from Ryan Johnson, the director from, of um, The Last Jedi, he talked about um, getting guidance from Carrie on the script. Hmm. Like she tweaked some, a lot of her own stuff, and I think she did it for The Force Awakens as well. And that whole, like the whole vibe was like, Carrie Fisher says that we should do this. Who am I to tell her no? <laughs> she knows what she's doing. She's been this character for most of her life. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really, I always thought that was so neat. I love that. So we, um, we were kind of going chronologically as we were thinking through Leia's journey. And, you know, Rogue One, there's just the reference to her putting the plans uh, into R2-D2. So um, I, won't, I won't play the clip, we don't need it. But um, one thing, um, one thing that that leads into, of course, is the original trilogy, and you have already talked about it, right? Um, how she stood up to Darth Vader, right? You know, she was defiant the whole time. She was tortured. That came out in the books. Yeah. Um, you don't. You see reference to it a little bit in the in the movie, but you know, I mean, if you think about what kind of effect that had on her down the road as she found out this was her father who did this to her, I mean, there there's a lot to unpack there. You really need a full millennial council to unpack all of that. <laughs> I think oh, so. Yeah. Um, but I, it, I think we have some foreshadowing of that in the Obi-Wan series. And, you know, it's made oh, after sure. the original trilogy and it's made after the, you know, sequels. But if you were going to go in now as a new viewer and a new fan and watch things in order of how they'd happen in the timeline of Star Wars Landia, then you'd, you'd see Obi-Wan first and you would see that, you know, the... They had no compunction about torturing a 10-year-old either. <laughs> when we watched that episode, and they took her to that room, and they put her in that chair, I think I looked and said, they're really going to do this. Yeah. They, they're really going to go here, aren't they? And then, thankfully, Obi-Wan arrived. <laughs> Thank you, Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I think that those moments they are alluded to in the original series. And, you know, if we come at her with Han and Luke, we're like, 
we're here to save the day. We've arrived. And she's like, very blasé about it. She's like, I've been tortured. I've got stains on my white dress. I'm not allowed to wear a bra. (laughs) Hard time for me. And uh, y'all have no plans. Um, That's a choice, I guess. But I'm actually trained. I'm competent. I'm just going to take over now. Thank you for unlocking the door. I just love that energy. She was a 10-year-old who went through this experience, and you already know that in the very first movie, that this is a person who has seen some stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She just, and she handled it. She just went. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Thank you. The Hut Slayer. Yay. My video of her talking back to uh, Darth Vader got taken down. But we all oh. remember her talking back. So. Yes. Yeah. You cannot forget it. She's got that beautiful clipped intonation, almost like her senatorial accent, mm-hmm. not necessarily the way she talks the rest of the time. It's great. Her nostril flare. (laughs) So good. So good. And then she killed him. Yes. Yes. Because he just needed it. He needed to die. He He was terrible. A terrible being. Yes. So, um, can you talk to us a little bit more? Because it's been a while since I read about her being outed as Darth Vader's daughter. Yeah. Um, the book in, in Bloodlines, another thing that happens is this little, it's like this up and comer senator who she kind of takes to school a few times, um, finds out she's Vader's daughter and he decides it's his job to tell everyone. This has the effect that one might imagine it would have, which is, uh, many of her friends and colleagues in the Senate, uh, suddenly don't have time for her. They don't want to speak to her anymore or associate with her because they believe that she's tainted by this legacy. And this causes her to feel a lot of, a lot of things. And there's only a, very, there's only a small handful of, pe- of folks who stick by her during this. And then whenever some attacks start to happen, um, they actually start, some people think that, well, maybe she had something to do with it. She's she's Vader's daughter, after all. And of course it wasn't her. But there is a point that's really a little bit deliciously petty, where there's there's this big senatorial kind of like a dinner event thing, One one of those sorts of things where the people in power go to see and be seen and mingle. And she, of course, was invited, and there's one of her friend, one of her remaining friends is like, I don't think you should go to this, you know, everybody's going to be very hostile, and another person's like, well, I think maybe you should. So she goes, and not only does she go, she does like a whole dark side aesthetic with her outfit. She shows up in like these dark colors and black, and everybody's like, oh. Because <laughs> she's just kind of like, if this is what you think of me, this is what you think of me. You can see me this way if you want to. Mm-hmm. I know who I am. And the way that the book kind of, and there's also like, there's also some things where she has, we learn, she and Han have never told Ben this because they were always kind of looking for the right time. 
So during this, when it's being blasted all over the, the news sources, Ben's off doing some Jedi stuff with Uncle Luke. So there's not really ever a conversation where that happens. Like, so hey, son, sorry. <laughs> I feel like if we had had just a little bit of pieces from that story of Bloodline inserted into the movie, so much more would have made sense for me um, about how Leia became a commander. Like, how did she move from being a politician to really getting into that commander role? And, and why is nobody talking to her? Yes. Right. Why is nobody showing up for her? I mean, it's a really helpful addition to the story to fleshing out the character, this the world, the scenario in which she's existing. And it's towards the end of that novel that they learn that there's been like some, some imperial remnants that have been gathering out at the edge of some outer rim system. And it's basically, I mean, it's the start of the First Order. And someone approaches Leia and is like, hey... It's kind of one of those moments that you would see in an action movie where they're like, we're getting the band back together kind of thing. And she's like, well, let's do it. Been here before, let's just do it again. Mm -hmm. And this time she ends up, because of, like, because of her expertise, because of her experience, like everything, she gets, ends up being like basically she's in, the, in a leadership position. And that actually to me was a super fun reveal in The Force Awakens, whenever like Poe is at the feet of this guy, and he's like, the general sends her regards, and the guy's like, oh, she'll always be royalty to me. And I remember sitting there just going, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a really fun thing to see, your see the princesses grow up to be generals. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful transition. And I also like how she brought in the element where she's mentoring the next generation mm -hmm. to continue the fight because she knows you don't get to stop fighting. You're never done fighting for equity, freedom, or against fascism. Mm -hmm. How nice is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So I just think, um, you know, when she takes Ray under her wing and she's willing to give Finn a chance again, I just, it's just, again, it connects me back with Carrie Fisher about how she embraced people, right? I see Princess Leia embracing people. And we talked about this before that, you know, when things got hard, Luke, well, I think he ran away. <laughs> <laughs> he ran away. She didn't run away. She kept coming back. She kept putting herself out there. People criticized her, and she had so much fortitude. And I just love that about her. And it's not that Luke didn't do great things, too. I'm not saying he didn't, but I, too, buried him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think there's this element of the story that is not necessarily apparent. But if you are a an adult who grew up under the legacy of a parent who was abusive, toxic, terrible. I mean, Darth Vader is not a good dad. We can make jokes about it, we can write cartoons about it and have fun with it, but he tortured his child at least twice and destroyed planets. Like, that's a bad role model, bad dad skills. Yeah. And when you have a bad parent, uh, 
you can confront what that means and ask yourself the questions, are people right? Am I like this person? Could I be evil like that? And you could take the tact of Leah and be like, no, no bitches. I am not. I'm going to like take him down. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you can be Luke. And you can be so conflicted about that legacy that you don't even know about psychotherapy and you go bury yourself <laughs> on a planet to drink blue milk. Yes. Yeah. I like Luke a lot, to be I honest. Do. I'm like sassy, but like Leia is the one that I find the most validation in. I find very relatable. And I think, again, she and Carrie Fisher both chart a pathway where you can deal with the legacy of a complicated toxic parent and be your own person and do good in the world absolutely oh, well said yeah super good well well said. thanks <laughs> that was my addition to the panel <laughs> you have brought so much more <laughs> so what do you guys think what questions do you guys have questions comments questions comments we have Feels. a few minutes. Favorite Carrie Fisher moments? Favorite Leia moments? Did you bring a hanky? <laughs> <laughs> I need you next time. Yeah. I have some at home, so <laughs> let me know. Speaking as someone with a small daughter, what would you say the legacy of Leia is for girls generationally? Ooh. If you have comments or opinions on that. I'm an auntie, not a parent. So Same. I think my relationship Same. with you know, empowering young people is a little different, but I do personally think that the things I learned as a young person from watching adult Princess Leia on the screen are there with 10-year-old Leia. Like, I can be the main character of my story. It doesn't matter what clothes I'm wearing. I can kill the space slug. I can free myself. I can be the smart one. I can be clever, insightful, and so can you, and so can your child, and so can any young person, regardless of their gender or background, they can chart their own course to do good in the world. And I think that that is what Leia presents generationally. It's, it's, it's never going to go stale. Yeah, yeah. And to add to that, I would say, you know, you can't control what people say about you, right? Leia couldn't control that, but she could control what she did and how she put herself out there in the world. And she constantly pushed forward and, you know, yeah. invent, reinvented herself, like, and and added value to everybody around her. Yeah, and that's not to say that's an easy thing because it's not. It's, not. it's super hard, but. I think whenever you have to do something like that, it's important to just do the best you can. And that's what Carrie Fisher did too, right? Like she pushed through all of all of that, and she she had people. I I I mean, I remember she was one of my heroes, and my <laughs> dad was running her down because my dad was a bit of a misogynist, and he didn't like how she spoke up and put her concerns about mental health and her family struggles out there for everybody, right? But she didn't care what they said about her. She was authentic, you know? And she knew that her story would help people and that that holding true to herself for Carrie Fisher, you see that with Leah too. 
There's something else that came up for me when you were saying that, and this is something maybe we didn't touch on a lot. Not only was Carrie the actress and Leia the character, somebody who mentored young people, but she built bridges. She created a, a tribe of people, a group of people that she trusted that helped her do good in the world. And that's the same for Carrie. She didn't, pardon me, oh my gosh. She didn't just do good on her own. And I think sometimes we have this um, message in popular culture that you have to be the lone hero. One of my favorite authors wrote a book about the heroine's journey. It's very different from like what Luke does where he's like, I'm gonna go be like a you know person, <laughs> like do my own thing. And I'm like, you go Luke. And Leia's like, whatever, man, I'm gonna put together a whole army of people, train like, yeah. you know, a whole group of people. I'm gonna make sure we're successful because I've got a team mm -hmm. and I've got a community and I'm lifting up other voices and I'm building together. And that I hope is something that your child and other young people will take to heart. You don't have to do it alone. None of us do. We didn't do this alone, did we? Yeah, no. <laughs> now I'm gonna have my mama over here. <laughs> so, yeah. Any other questions? Thank you so much for coming. Yay, thank you guys. Wonderful. It means today, right? Yeah, I'm gonna start the day crying. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, please check out D&D Journey of the 5th Edition and Ragnarok and roll a Scion Hero to Ragnarok Story. Also, check out our Patreon page for more content and behind-the-scenes things, as well as joining us for a one-shot game or two.